for joining us in this space today as we came into this time of Holy Communion. Thank you for the great hope that we do have in the gospel, that you love us in spite of our sinfulness, that you forgive us, that your grace is sufficient, and that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Thank you for fellowshipping with us and giving us the chance to come to this table to remember our Savior, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, I want to tell you, I believe something to be very true, and I want to share with you today. That is, I believe that God can make a way where it seems there is no way, and I believe that in part because of the things we've seen together right here. Throughout the last 25 years, we've witnessed some powerful moves of God. I remember a woman named Maggie. Maggie had been given a diagnosis that she had terminal cancer, and she had about 30 days left to live. She was not a Christian or a Christ follower. She had not followed Christ throughout her life, and the news was devastating. In desperation, she came to the church, and as she came to the church, she she came to our elders, and the elders prayed, and and she asked God to give her the time uh, for her children to come to faith, and and she made it very clear she wanted to come to faith, and so we baptized her, and I remember holding uh, onto her feverish hands that the cancer had so ravaged her body, and and baptizing her that day, and we were concerned about how that was going to play out, but I want you to know God heard her request. And you know that over the next two years that God gave her, her husband, her grandchildren, and her children came to know Jesus. And she died in in peace. God has a way of doing things we would never expect, could never imagine, and could never do on our own. Why, You will remember the stories of Amelia, a young lady who's now here at our church week after week, and Amelia's story begins with a pregnancy that almost comes to an end prematurely, and you prayed. Then when she was born, it was months at Riley Hospital, and her life hung in the balance, and yet God made a way where it seemed there was no way. Many of you have the t-shirts to prove it. You know that little Owen who almost died and and battled for so long and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and God made a way for the impossible to happen. And Owen is still with us. I'm excited to tell you this past week, uh, you prayed all summer for my grandson Henry. He went to see his cardiologist this week uh, after all those heart complications that Henry had. And, And this was the report and the doctors think that they did a great job, so they gave themselves a gold star. But I got to tell you, God gets the gold star. He brought Henry through. God made a way. It's, it's a familiar story to most of you here because it's one of my favorites. You know that when Betty Newland was in her 90s, and I was called to the hospital to see her, and that, that, that the uh, doctors told me when I got there, she's had a massive stroke. Uh, She's not going to make it. And they tell you that so I can help prepare the family for the impending death. I walked into the room. I talked with the family, and in my training, I understand that one of the last things to go before a person passes is their hearing. I knew Betty for a long time. I loved her, and she'd always asked me to, to do one thing with her I'd never done. And so I said to her, I said, Betty, I'm sorry. It looks like I'm not going to get to play bingo with you. And you know the story. She sat straight up and said, bingo! (laughs) 
Because God makes a way where it seems there's no way. Maybe you remember the story of Crystal. Crystal faithful here for decades serving the church. And Crystal had uh, breast cancer. And she asked for anointing from the elders of the church. Even though she believed she was cancer-free and the physicians found uh, they couldn't find cancer cells, she went forward with the mastectomy and she did some of the treatments that happened. And her prayer was that during radiation and chemo, she'd have no side effects of any kind. And God answered our prayer. And not only did she have no side effects, but during all of those things, which can make you feel so horrible that you want to die, she was out doing meals on wheels, helping people. Oh, that's just the beginning of all the things that we've seen God do. We have seen husbands who had been far from the Lord, and for decades their wives prayed, Lord, please bring my husband into the faith, and we've seen it happen. One of my favorite things that happens, and if you're one of these husbands, I'm not picking on you, but I love it that these men who wouldn't come to church for 30 years now can't leave church after and are always the last ones to get out of here because they love the place. There are so many stories. Who would have ever guessed little old Ogilville would grow continuously for 20 straight years the way that we had? In every baptism, and there have been hundreds, they are miraculous. I could talk to you from the physical side and the, 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 the financial side, how that every single year as, as the elders have assessed the needs of the congregation of the ministries we want to go forward, and they have prayerfully sat down and set up budgets. And one year, the budget would, would be large, and we'd think, well, that's the largest budget we've ever had. How are we possibly going to move forward? But we would see that there was another $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 worth of need that needed to happen and be met. And so they would boldly come before you and say, you know what? We think God's calling us to this. And God would meet the need every time, and he has never failed to meet the need. Even COVID couldn't stop the needs from being met. God meets the needs. And I could keep going, and we could tell you a story, and there are people right here who could testify today about how their addiction was met by God. And he made a way to freedom from the things that had held them in bondage, and he set them free. And while I won't name anyone, I also know that there are marriages that seemed hopeless and beyond saving. The damage was so immense, it seemed there was no way that couple could make it. But God has made a way. Now, I don't know where you are today. Some of you are probably in a great place. The best Christmas season you ever had. That's kind of hard to imagine. If that's your case, your life's been pretty rough. But you might be there. For others, you hear all those things, and you say, well, that's nice, but that's not my story. And maybe you feel like you're in a dark place. Maybe this year you find yourself in a difficult space. Maybe hope is in short supply and frustrations at an all-time high. If you're in a place like that today, I want you to know something. God understands. Do you recognize that God knows what it's like to be in a place of emptiness and darkness? God knows what it is to be in emptiness and darkness. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 1. The earth was a formless and desolate emptiness, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was there, 
hovering in the midst of all that. Do you understand that God has faced isolation, loneliness, emptiness, darkness? And into a space of overwhelming, desolate emptiness and darkness. Into a space that had never known anything, anything but darkness, God brought something better. God brought something different. God brought something new. God brought a way, and he made a way, and he said those words, let there be light, and there was light. And recognize this, three days before God made the sun, he made light. Three days before the sun, he made life. And picture this, we have a story in the Bible that begins with eternal darkness. That's all that had been is darkness. And if you read all the way to the end of the book, what we have at the end is eternal light. And there is no more darkness. And check this out, in heaven, there are no shadows. The light of the sun casts a shadow, but in heaven, there are no shadows. God's light permeates everything, and it's everywhere. Light, light itself is an eternal reminder that God makes a way when it seems there is no way. And light was just the beginning of God's story. There's a reason Jesus would say, I am the light of the world. Throughout the Old Testament, we read these words, Samuel, who said, you, Lord, you are my lamp. You are the Lord who turns my darkness into light. I love what Job said. He said, God has delivered me from going down into the pit, and I shall live to enjoy the light of life. Isaiah, that great prophet, said, I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. I will not forsake them. And elsewhere, Isaiah has written, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Jesus said, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. And John, that friend of Jesus, wrote in 1 John 1, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another, and check this out, and the blood of Jesus will purify us from all unrighteousness. Oh, there's a reason the psalmist said, I lift up my eyes into the hill. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. He made the heaven and the earth, and he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. You see, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out. The Lord will keep your coming in from this time forth. And forevermore, God will make a way. From that first word of the Bible to the last, the Bible is constantly reinforcing and reiterating a constant truth. Nothing is impossible for God. Do you believe that? Amen. Say that with me. Nothing is impossible for God. Some of you need to take that to heart today. It was in the book of Genesis that the angel says to them, is anything too hard for the Lord? Job said, I know, God, that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Jeremiah said, oh, sovereign Lord, 
You made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And Jesus himself looked at his disciples and he said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. God is able, and because God is able to solve any problem, God is able to overcome any obstacle, God is able to save you from any circumstance, those who seek him, those who believe in him, those who follow him, those who serve him, those who love him can boldly say, as the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul said, God is able to bless you abundantly so that at all times and all things, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And the Hebrew writer reflected, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. I want to take you back to one of those Old Testament stories for a moment. I want you to remember the story of Daniel chapter 3. Remember that? The king Nebuchadnezzar, he tells them he's going to make this statue. Everybody has to bow down and worship it. Three people won't worship it. Their name's Shadrach, Med, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and because they won't worship, well, the punishment is to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Love this story. Great story from the Bible. There they are before the king. The blazing furnace is raging, and they say the most incredible thing to King Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to what they say. They say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods. We will not worship the image of gold you've set up. And if you know the end of the story, <laughs> you know that he looks in there and he doesn't see three but four. And the fourth man has shown up and, and God is present with them in the fire. And if you're in the midst of your own fiery furnace today, he's present with you too. The story turns from tragedy to humor and comedy because here you have the king who threw them in there bound up with hands and feet tied, now talking to the furnace and to them in the furnace saying, you know, boys, do you mind coming back out of there again? <laughs> I'd like to talk to you all. God keeps his word. He delivered them from the furnace. I would like to think that I am as confident in God as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. But I know I'm probably not. You probably don't always feel so confident either. When faced with our own overwhelming circumstances, we often discover we are not so unlike that man. That man whose only son suffered from paralyzing convulsions from seizures, from demonic oppression. That father, speaking for a child that could not speak for himself, begged Jesus' disciples to heal his son, but they were unable to do so. 
They couldn't do it. Recognizing that his son's problems were serious and immense, having just witnessed the failure of the disciples, you can see the father's confidence begins to wane. It's at that moment Jesus shows up in the story. When Jesus arrived at the scene, the begging father's words betrayed his now doubting heart as he makes his request of Jesus. If, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and heal my son. The frustrated father's words did not escape Jesus. He echoed the man's words back to him. If you can. Having confronted the man's doubt, Jesus then quickly offered these words of hope to him. All things are possible to him who believes. And I love the father's honest answer. He immediately cries out, I do believe. Forgive thou my unbelief. I do believe. I want to believe, but I also have these doubts. But I, I'm trying. And in that moment, filled with compassion, then Jesus immediately rebukes the unclean spirit, heals the boy, and gives him back to his father, completely whole. I love those words. I do believe. Help my unbelief. You know, sometimes we find ourselves so overwhelmed. The odds just seem so long. The problem seems so big. Relief seems so far out of reach. We too find ourselves asking God, if you can do this, God. I mean, we want to believe. But sometimes the storm that we're facing is so powerful the waves that it's causing are so big. The disoriented flashes of lightning are so fierce. And the thunderous chorus against us is so unrelenting that we find ourselves succumbing to our doubts and to our fears. Like the Apostle Peter before us, we forget the enormous power of our Savior. And we focus instead on the power of the storm. And in doing so, just like Peter, we begin to sink deeper into despair and peril. I want to encourage you to read that story later this week in Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. And as you read it, I just want you to hang on to three really important truths from that story. Here's the first one in that story of Jesus calling Peter out onto the water, Peter walking onto the water, and then as he sees the wind, the waves, he starts to sink. Remember these three things. This was the first one. Jesus was already on the water in the storm. He was already present in the midst of the overwhelming circumstance. Friends, Jesus was and Jesus still is present. I love what it says in Hebrews 13. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Matthew 28, 20, the last words Jesus speaks as he leaves this earth, surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus was, and Jesus is still present. And here's the second thing I want you to think about when you read this story. 
As long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he was able to stay above the fray. He was able to stay above the waves and the water. And he did not sink. It was only when he looked away that he began to sink. Fear can sink you. Fear can sink you. But faith can save you. There's a reason the Hebrew writer would say, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And finally this, Jesus did not allow the storm to destroy Peter. Now he did use that event to teach Peter and us some lessons. He wants us to learn to trust God at all times and in all situations. But when Peter called out to Jesus, Jesus lifted him up. No wonder the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, 21, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you believe that? Everyone who calls on his name will be saved. I like something that Charles Swindoll has written. He said, we are all faced with a series of great opportunities that are brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. I want you to know something about our God. When God makes a way, God's way will always be the best way. Do you remember the story of the wedding feast at Canaan where the wine has run out and Jesus' mother says, come on, you know, Jesus, you can do something about this. And he's like, my time hasn't yet come. And, and then he says, okay, take some water from those vessels over there and take it to the host. He takes it to the host. And what happens when he takes it to him? When the host gets it, the master of the banquet tastes the water that had been turned into wine. He calls the bridegroom aside and he says, everyone brings out the choice wine first. The cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. When God makes a way, it'll be the best way. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. He says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. There's a second great principle you need to hold on to today. If God makes a way, he will supply immeasurably more than what you need. And, it's, and, and he will supply immeasurably more than what is expected I love that great story of the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6, and you know how Jesus takes the, the few loaves and fishes and he multiplies them over and over and over. He feeds all 5,000 people. What I love is the end of that. It says in John chapter 6, verse 12, when they had all had enough to eat, and there had to be some big eaters like me in that crowd, and they all had enough. Then Jesus said, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves that were left over. There was abundantly more than was needed given by Jesus. This is why Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is in, at work in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. When God makes a way, he will supply immeasurably more than we could hope for. And this last one is so important. When God makes a way, he is not going to be limited by what people think is possible. 
What everyone else says is possible means nothing to God, not a single thing. I don't care how many people have told you it's impossible. It isn't impossible for God. Lazarus was dead. He was dead. Nobody expected him to come back to life. His sister said, hey, we'll see him in the resurrection. Uh, The Bible says he was so dead that he stunk. I'm not trying to be gross or macabre. It just means he was dead. But Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were still ripped, uh, so, so wrapped with the strips of linen. The clothing of death was around his face. And Jesus said, get that gray stuff off of him and let him go. He's got a life to live. You see, when God makes a way, he is not going to be limited by what people think possible. When creation itself faced global destruction, God made a way. And Noah and the others with him survived the apocalyptic flood. When childless Abraham and Sarah were so old that the possibility of even conceiving a child was laughable, God made a way. And Sarah gave birth to a son and nursed him at her breast. Assaulted by his siblings, thrown into a well, sold as a slave, falsely accused, rotting in prison, Joseph was able to rise from prison to the palace because God made a way. Trapped between the armies of Pharaoh and the Red Sea, the people grumbled against Moses and God. Yet Moses said, look and see what God is about to do. God will make a way. And he made a way for the sea to part. And the Israelites crossed through on a dry path, cast into a den of hungry lions as punishment for praying to God. God made a way for Daniel. And the mouths of the lions were closed shut. And we're just getting started because when God makes a way, the walls of Jericho fall. The hopelessly outnumbered Gideon's army wins and overcomes their enemy. Fire consumes the altar of Elijah. The widow's oil never runs out. The dead are brought back to life. Giants are defeated. Cities are saved. Deliverers arrive. Leprosy is cleansed. Gehazi sees the army of the Lord. And the Arameans are struck blind. And Samuel heard the voice of God, and Esther saves her people, and dry bones grow flesh. A donkey speaks, a prophet crosses the sea in the belly of a great fish, and the deaf will hear, and the mute will speak, and the lame will walk, the condemned will find pardon, the infirm will be restored, the withered hand will be made whole. The demon possessed we put in their right mind. The hungry will be fed. The storms will be calmed. The lost will be found. Leprosy will be cured. Water will be changed. Fish will be caught. The dead will be raised because God makes a way. Because God makes a way, the cross was carried. Beatings were endured. Nails were driven. A crown was placed. A spear was thrust. A cry was heard. A spirit was placed. A tomb was filled. And a stone was rolled away. And the angels rejoiced. The tomb was empty. Peter was restored. Proofs were given. A Savior ascended into heaven. And a way was made. The Spirit was given. The church was born because God can make a way. Do you believe it? His words are proven true. When he says, I am the truth, 
I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, I need you to know this morning that Jesus is a mountain mover. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move. He is the peace bringer. He is the barrier destroyer. He is the wall wrecker. For he himself is our peace. He has made the two groups one. He has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall and the hostility. He is the world overcomer. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but have heart. I have overcome the world. He is the mansion maker. In my father's house, he said, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. He is the heart healer. He is the captive deliverer. He once said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those that are bruised. He is the chain breaker. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. A light shined in the prison. He smote Peter on the side and raised him up. Arise up quickly, he said, and his chains fell off from his hand. He is the sin forgiver. He is the charge canceler. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Read that again. He forgave us all of our sins. Amen. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. You see, Jesus is who Isaiah had in mind when he spoke these words of prophecy from the Lord. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And here we are on Christmas Sunday. And Christmas itself, this whole story of Christmas is a story of God making a way and doing the impossible. I love those stories. The old man, Zechariah, and his wife, Elizabeth, way too old to have a child, but God makes a way. We have the Virgin Mary, who says, how is this going to happen? And the angel basically says, God will make a way. And the virgin conceives. We have the great change of heart, God making a way. Joseph wanted to divorce her quietly. You know, I can't change someone's heart, and you probably can't either, but God can. And God changed Joseph's heart. He decided to take Mary home as his wife. God made a way for the lowly shepherds to come into the presence and worship the highest of kings. God made a way. So that wise men from far, far away could have their own navigation system from the heavens to direct them to the Savior. And I love how that story, the Christmas story ends. We hardly ever talk about it. Old King Herod is all flummoxed and frustrated and he wants to see Jesus dead. And so he sends his armies to capture, to kill, to destroy. But God makes a way. 
And the world's greatest liberator finds protection in the land, in the land that once held slavery for the children of Israel. And Jesus makes his escape to Egypt. God has a way of making a way, and he certainly makes a way at and through Christmas. I told you a lot of stories that have meant a lot to us here at OCC about how God was making a way in our own church family. And one of my favorite stories is the story of Lee, Lee Moore. Lee's no longer with us today. But years, years ago, when Lee had her second stroke, it was massive. And she found herself in a coma, unresponsive for weeks. It seemed unlikely there could be any positive outcomes for Lee. Those of you who were around on that Christmas day so long ago know about our Christmas miracle. While her family and her physicians were beginning to plan for her extended care as a comatose person in a living care center somewhere, God decided to make a way. And on Christmas Day, Lee spoke. And she didn't just speak, she began to talk in her right mind, completely in her right mind. I'm not telling you something that I don't believe with all my heart. I'm telling you something I know to be true. God can make a way. So watch your impossible. I want you to know this morning, if you're facing a difficult situation, if you're wrestling with an addiction or you're struggling to know how to best proceed in a circumstance, the Bible sheds some light on how you might want to proceed. First of all, in every circumstance, you need to acknowledge that God's way will be the best way. The writer of Proverbs tells us, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Acknowledge him. This takes some repentance and humility. God, I acknowledge that your way is better than my way. And I want to try it your way. Second, this is important, you need to believe that Christ is greater than your sin. And he is greater than your circumstance. And if you have not done so yet, you need to make your belief in Jesus public. Don't be ashamed of that. Proclaim it. And if you haven't done so yet, you also should be faithful in Christian baptism. Mark 16, 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Having done those things, you should cast your cares and your concerns before God through prayer. Peter said, cast all your anxiety in him because he cares for you. James said, if anyone's in trouble, you should pray. And do not worry once you've given it to God. You've put it in the hands of the greatest miracle worker that's ever been or ever will be. This is why Jesus himself said, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Life is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. And he would go on to say, God knows what you need. So expectantly wait in patient hope that in the fullness of God's time, God will make a way 
even if it seems there is no way. Now, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus or you've never been baptized or if you're carrying a huge challenge or situation and you're in need of perhaps financial assistance or perhaps you need access to mental health counseling or, or maybe you want anointing for healing by our elders or maybe you seek godly counsel and wisdom or maybe all you want is someone just to sit and to pray with you today. If any of those are your circumstance, I want to encourage you right now to come forward at this as we sing our song, God will make a way and make your need known to me, to Virgil, to our elders. We want to come alongside you today. If you have a decision, will you make it now as we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation? Mm -hmm.